This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Got a great show lined up for you today. A a businessman from Johns Creek, one of the newer cities in the great state of Georgia, Mr. Jay Lynn, is going to be joining us, talking a little bit about uh, how Republicans can help um, reach out to to some of the minority groups that, for some reason, have been neglected, uh, namely Asians, and uh, also going to be talking about his run for St. John's or uh, John's Creek City Council. That's coming up uh, here in about 10 minutes or so. 2.30, former Brookhaven Mayor J. Max Davis Jr. will be calling in and talking about his race for House District 80, which is Brook, Brookhaven, Sandy Springs, and uh, Shambly. It's a very contested race right now. His father was a friend of mine. Okay, great. Well, good. Then uh, you'll recognize. Max. Yep. Yeah, so the, in fact, J. Max uh, Jr. has the advantage of basically having permanent campaign signs up all the yeah. time. J. Max Interchange. So I think that's a little bit of a, <laughs> of, of, a of a strategy that they've been able to take yeah, advantage of there. Come back like Max did. You know, it's just a green sign with white lettering on it, so not any picture. Well, I mean, Basic. Uh, uh, what does he look? Like? Oh, he um, white hair that Max had. You Max know, was, uh, representative for quite a while. Yeah, he was. He was. In fact, this is pretty much the same seat. I'm sure it's, uh, the district has changed a little bit over time, especially after the 2010 census. But uh, this is a you know a special election, David. It's August 11th when the voters will go back to the polls. There was four candidates initially. Uh, a Democrat um, with very little experience and apparently uh, unwillingness to file proper disclosures got into the runoff with uh, J. Max Davis Jr. And, uh, I mean, with turnout as, as low as we're looking at, I mean, midsummer, uh, you, you know, anything can happen. So we're going to talk to him about um, you know, what they're doing to, to finish the drill, so to speak. Brookhaven in general is not a, a, a very – it's not a skewed Republican district by very much. Uh, former Rep. Mike Jacobs had been there for about 10 years, and originally he had been a Democrat, and then he switched parties back in 2007. So it's a, it's a very moderate district, and uh, you know it's, re- it's really going to be a tough battle. I'm expecting an extremely close race, and uh, we'll be talking about that. And some of the challenges that uh, Max Davis uh, came up against when he was forming the city of Brookhaven and um, – and uh, some of the challenges as mayor as well. But uh, anyway, so like I said, great show today. The summer's heating up. I've survived my first week being 40 years old. Had a... Uh, God, how's that gray hair? Had a great, you know, they're coming in on the sides, the what? temples a little bit. It, when, the, whenever I get a haircut, it, 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 it improves me a little bit. Because once these grays start getting long and straggly, man, they're out of control. Especially, I, I just want the eyebrows to not get all wild. And, you know, crazy. But... Uh, Anyway, we've got. To, I was just telling you about this thing, David. This, uh, you know, when I see stories like this, it really disturbs me. There's a, a, a Minnesota dentist, and he's one of these wealthy individuals. Has a uh, interesting hobby, which is safari hunting, hunting trophy animals. And you know, we had a topic a couple years ago that uh, the college student from Texas Tech that went on these safaris, and man, you might have differed in opinion a little bit about. Uh, 
you know, what the sport of it is. I will say that that lady was actually going on legal hunts. I, I didn't really approve of her posing with these animals and having looking like she was like know. slow. Well, see, I can tell you're forty. Like you slow, know, like like ballroom, tight. like ballroom dancing with with dead pumas. You know, I thought it was a little tacky. But uh, anyway, this dentist goes to Zimbabwe and pays estimated forty five thousand pounds, which is. Sixty to seventy thousand dollars for permission to hunt a lion, any lion, and uh, but, you know apparently that's how the safari sport works down there. So he got this permission. He's going out on a hunting party, and what happens, according to the uh, the Telegraph, which is a, a British uh, publication, they lure this famous lion named Cecil. Thirteen-year-old has apparently six young cubs. I know I sound like a bleeding heart. <laughs> I hate whenever I start talking about animals because I get I get about as far left as Nancy Pelosi does. But uh, I know I know the world's largest violin or smallest violin is playing right in front of me right now. But they lure this animal out of captivity. He shoots it with a bow, which I'll give him a little credit. At least it was a bow and arrow. But they lure it out with bait and make it in an area where they can legally hunt this animal, wound it. And then find it struggling a day later, and then they finish it off, and then they cut the head off and turn it into a trophy. So this, you know, I, I just have a big problem with this. Uh, you know, on a, on, the, on a courage scale from zero to Caitlyn Jenner, this ranks right up there. Give the man an ESPY is what I say. I mean, he, this is about as tough of a man as having to choose between Versace and Coco Chanel for red, red carpet design gown. I mean, I, I find no courageous act in this. You got time for a president story? Uh, yes. President slash hunting story. Yep. Uh, you weren't born yet, but there was a gentleman from Texas that became the president after an assassination. LBJ and uh, yeah, you can bingo. And so uh, his his small little ranch that they claimed was just a few hundred acres, which was actually approximately sixty thousand acres, uh, give or take a few, uh, happened to butt up next to one of my good friend's ranches. And uh, as he was running for his own term of office, uh, I was down at the ranch, down at Jimmy's ranch, and. Uh, he said, let me, let me show you what kind of man Mr. Johnson is. Mm-hmm. And so he took me over, and this is how he hunts deer. And there in the middle of a pasture was a, lookout, a forest ranger lookout tower with three gigantic spotlights and right. an elevator. An right. elevator. We had to have the elevator. We couldn't climb up the <laughs> stairs. Elevator. And... Um, he would invite his Senate buddies or any anybody that he really, any of his drinking buddies, I yeah. should say. And uh, the way they hunted deer was at night, and he would have his people, our Secret Service people, spread feed down around the lookout tower, okay? <laughs> so and as the deer up. would yeah. come in to feed, they'd flip on the, the bright light. Blind them. Blind them. And... Uh, shoot them like ducks in the water. I, you know, I mean, it was a, LBJ. I, we've had some real scumbags in the White House, and LBJ happens to be the only one worse than him was Lady Bird Johnson. But they, <laughs> they were both total scumbags, as was, yep. in my opinion, Clinton and, and what we got today. But um, this guy, anybody that... I'm a hunter. I used to be a hunter. Yep. And... Uh, it's a sport, but you do it 
you do it legally and you do it the right way. Right. And, uh, and, and I mean, I think hunting, uh, you know, I'm not denigrating hunting. Uh, again, I wasn't a fan of the Texas Tech student uh, shooting these trophy animals either, but she did it legally. And the argument can be made, David, that some of these uh, high fees that they're paying, it actually helps create some yeah. of these wildlife habitats. Um, the, and supposedly they eat uh, some of these animal service food for the villages. That was a defense for her. This this guy, though, this dentist from Minnesota, uh, you know, I, I find it hard to defend because this animal was, was really one of the most, you know, beloved uh, safari animals in Zimbabwe, 13 years old, had a bunch of cubs. I know, I'm the bleeding heart liberal right now. But to take this animal out as a trophy, and clearly they're not going to be using it for any kind of meat. You're, you're killing an endangered species, and then you're posting pictures of it on Facebook like you're some badass. That's the disturbing thing to me. And, and, and I, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Let's say we got some Zimbabwean or some Libyan that comes over here and shoots 12 bald eagles and then starts posting pictures about it. That That's hunting, isn't it? That's hunting an endangered species. Now, I, is what it, if is they it? shot 12 ISIS? <laughs> now, that's we. I, I've had some very interesting comments on Facebook, and it's a lot of my conservative friends. And, and I think that even though the Republican Party is by far stronger on the Second Amendment, that we can still look at something and say this is an outrage and this shouldn't be done. This should not be condoned, and it's just um, I, I know it's it's a tragedy when we when we lose natural resources like this. And it's not just it's not the United States, obviously. It's a country uh, north of South Africa called Zimbabwe. But still, that it, it, in order for some of these African nations to actually start benefiting from modern economies they need to get american tourism over there and they need to get tourism done the right way these 60 you know 60 or 70,000 dollars that's not going to go very far in the grand scheme of things and i'm pretty sure his hunting party and his guides kept most of that money in this thing and the way they defend it is even more ridiculous it's you know they've got some of these hunting the hunting party people say we have done a great deed for this lion who will now live forever on this hunter's wall that it reaches a point of yeah. that where you just have to ridicule. If that damn thing was alive up there on the wall. Well, you know, and that's been that's another right. comment said. Hey, why don't we drop this guy off in the uh, in the middle of the jungle with no weapons and see what happens? If he killed it with a sword, would that would that be more brave? For me, it would. You know, if you killed it with like a, a Hansu samurai sword, like from uh, Kill Bill Volume Two, <laughs> if you did that. Then maybe I'd be impressed. But uh, anyway, we've got Jay Lynn here today. Jay, welcome to Crisis. How are you, sir? Well, thank you. So our uh, station owner, David, here. Sit up a little bit closer to the mic. But um, glad you made it in from uh, from Johns Creek. Obviously, our studio in Sandy Springs isn't too far away. But uh, we were just talking a little bit about um, some of the issues that, that you were going to talk about. You decided to uh, take a chance and take a leap of faith and, and jump into the uh, the world of politics and uh, up in Johns Creek running for city council in Zone 2. Is, is that correct? Uh, post 2. Post correct. 2. Post 2. So what made you decide to, to jump into this game of uh, politics? I know we've talked a little bit off air and you've said it's a much bigger job than you than you had first imagined <laughs> just campaigning for office. So. That's right. Well, uh, being a first-generation immigrant, that uh, I came to a realization that this country has done so much for me, and it, allowed, it gives me the freedom and liberty to be all I can be. And uh, in the last 25 years, 
Um, I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, in the business business world, and uh, and I feel like that it's it's time for me to um, make contribution back to the community. And where I live, Jones Creek, we love the city, and um, obviously it's a it's a good choice for me to to step into the to the publics in in my hometown yep it's an open seat uh you immigrated from china 25 years ago uh taiwan right? taiwan okay that's right. so you're from the, the island you're friends with chiang kai-shek i guess that's right, right. okay yeah yeah so uh tell us about that a little bit did you learn english over there or were you just uh, they speak Ma- taiwanese uh, and both mandarin there? the official language is, is still mandarin chinese okay. but um, majority of the people can speak both and i'm fluent in both chinese and in taiwanese and apparently english too so uh <laughs> I, no you are i, I mean I trust me it's uh, it. i can imagine me trying to learn mandarin something with more than five thousand characters uh, i think most chinese people probably don't even know <laughs> the whole language over there it's, it got to be difficult to imagine that, but uh, so you're in the small business world now. You're a construction contractor. Yeah, I'm a general contractor. All right. So is uh, business permits something that's kind of up your alley in, in making or expediting business permits and, uh, and and certificates of occupancy and stuff like that? That's something that's right up your alley right now. Is the, the city able to do a pretty good job with that? Well, so far I think Johns Creek does not have um, uh, like other um, county governments that I think Johns Creek uh, for the most part has done a very good job uh, as far as expediting uh, to be a business friendly mm-hmm. environment for business to come in to conduct business in, in the, within the city. Yeah, well that's one of the reasons a lot of these cities have formed in fact uh, Fulton County where we are is more than 90% municipalized only a small pocket down in South Fulton Anyway, we're going to take our first break here we'll be back with Jay Lynn, candidate for St. Uh, John's Creek. I keep calling it St. John's, but John's Creek, Post 2, City Council. Be back in a minute on Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, Visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead Revolutionary War heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. 
This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. Great show today. One week anniversary of me turning 40 years young. So uh, I, I didn't do any of those. This is my my second time turning 39. I know that's <laughs> kind of a popular way to describe things. But uh, we're here with uh, with Jay Lynn, who is a, uh, a St. John... Uh, you know, I keep doing it. John's, John's Creek. Creek. I, I need to. I need. I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to put something up here. Maybe I'm still hungover from my birthday party on Friday. Now that was a blast. It's a still pretty new city, so <laughs> you, you, you get around. Yeah, I mean, literally, I, uh, I I'm able to type it very well. I've closed mortgages in Johns Creek, and I don't. I, I have nothing in common with St. Johns. But uh, you're running for city council. They're new to politics. Uh, been a businessman. Been probably engaged in politics, kind of off the radar a little bit. But now you actually want to go to these city council meetings, be a voting member. And, uh, and get embroiled with some of the local politics. So, what what do you see that uh, Johns Creek needs? Got it right that time. That yeah. uh, that you can help improve. And what mm-hmm. are some of the things that they're doing right that you want to continue? Well, one of the um, I don't know if um, may, may, many people have already known that um, last year Johns Creek was voted uh, top ten, the best city to live by USA Today. And our safety, the city is is the second safest city in the state. Wow. So these are the things that um, all the residents uh, in Johns Creek should be proud of. And our city government and our police de- department has done a great job uh, of maintaining it that way. However, that um, I think most people complain about traffic okay. in, in the area. So traffic remains the main issue for, for most of the citizens okay. in Johns Creek. So basically, navigating the northern suburbs, and uh, basically, folks, if uh, my, my national listeners, Atlanta is a little bit uh, unique compared to some other cities. We have a lot of what's called edge cities, where uh, Fulton County is is the county that has city of Atlanta in it, but it's also home to Roswell and Milton and Johns Creek and Alpharetta and a bunch of other cities that basically have municipalized in order to give locals more local control over decision-making. And a lot of these cities have proven to be better at uh, applying services like uh, police and, and business permitting. and uh, But, Jay, you mentioned traffic, and I know um, that uh, Gwinnett Place Mall recently did some redesign on some of the traffic lights. It's amazing. I went to school at University of Georgia in Athens, and I remember... Uh, trying to leave the dorms sometimes the dorms were not on had did not have any sensors at the traffic lights so it could be 2 a.m not that anybody should be driving at 2 a.m but just in case you were driving and hopefully not drunk uh having to sit at a light for five minutes took a, an eon of time and actually wasted gas and we can probably talk about all sorts of eco-friendly issues that uh that cutting somebody's track tax uh, or traffic burden can can accomplish so you said traffic's one of your uh, formative issues in this what are some of your ideas to help alleviate some of the pain up there that's right. Uh, as you mentioned, that Gwinnett Place Mall just recently implemented a, uh, a new device. Um, it, it's a it's a sensor that mounted on the traffic light. So uh, one of the advantages is to uh, uh, without getting underground, and that is such a tremendous cost saving measure uh, to implement that uh, device and to keep the traffic flows. And what it does is the sensor will actually pick up 
um, the number of vehicles that is uh, th- that are waiting for the uh, at the light. Okay. So um, it will also um, monitor the traffic flow, the direction. So. Um, like yesterday, a friend of uh, a friend of mine that has mentioned one of the incidents that when he's come, his tra- subdivision is just right off uh, Highway 141. Okay. So when he's coming, one of the he, he's got one of his uh, um, elder family members got sick in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and tried to get out of the, the sub subdivision, and he waited at the traffic light for three minutes, and so he ended up. Um, asking uh, his his son to just run the traffic light <laughs> in order to send that to family member to the hospital mm-hmm. because, and uh, on both sides there were no traffic uh, at the at the time right. at, at the middle of the night. So with this device that we are able to, um, the sensor will be able to detect the vehicle is waiting um, uh, at, at that light, okay. and and will automatically adjust the uh, the, the light. So uh, the car can pass through that inter- intersection. Gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and I know uh, I've did a little research on some of these sensors. It's not nearly as invasive as having to tear up a lot of property. It's That's right. The cost is significantly lower, and I have uh, sent a note to Gwinnett Place, uh, but uh, I believe their initial figures that they told me was they were saving um, significant amounts of time, especially during the off hours. Now, right. you're never going to cure the 5 p.m. traffic. I mean, anytime you're in a, in a growing and dynamic city, it Atlanta uh, and Johns Creek, you're going to have traffic. People like to drive to and fro. Uh, we don't really have the public transportation infrastructure uh, that we should. I um, I, I know uh, I did a little experiment the other day where I went from my house in Decatur and I took public transportation to get to Top Golf mm-hmm. in Alpharetta. Now I cheated a little bit. I, I took Uber from my house to the Lindbergh Marta station, but then North Fulton has decent bus access on Marta, and luckily there were some pretty friendly folks on that were waiting for the bus, and they told me which bus to get on. They didn't play any jokes and didn't sent me to the wrong area, and I was able to get there in about an hour. Uh, during rush hour on a Friday. So I, I'm pretty impressed with that, and I think that uh, uh, we're going to see more and more public transportation options going because you're, you really are seeing youth, the younger folks, wanting that. And Johns Creek mm-hmm. has a pretty dynamic uh, workforce. as one of the highest per capita income in the uh, – in the country, really. So you're dealing with people that you know probably have a little bit of money that they don't mind investing in infrastructure. Right. Um, the this particular device, I th- I think it's small enough. I think for, for a cost benefit um, analysis that it's the the cost to in order to implement that uh, devices in, in multiple uh, intersections. Um, it's something that city can do. Alone, okay. Without having to get get DOT, you don't got to beg money county. from the feds. That's you right. Need the Department of Transportation. You guys can say we're going to do this. It's going to help John's Creek. Right. And uh, you know, based on my estimation, that everything can be done for under a million dollars. Under and, a million dollars. And that is um, such a uh, for cost and, and be- benefit. Mm-hmm. I think it's very wise for us to implement that. And normally, studies alone for stuff like this cost a million dollars. So, you know, if you're able to show that and, and uh, get the city council on board, then uh, I thir- certainly think that's a, a really great endeavor. I uh, wanted to switch it over a little bit and talk about um, 
opportunities that the the Republican Party may have. And uh, the thing about city council races is. Uh, uh, they are they are nonpartisan, but people still know t- typically what your your governing um, proclivities will be. And most city council folks have to get things done, so they're not going to say we're not going to have any taxes. Of course, there's going to have to be some property taxes. Um, it, it, but as far as you know, running on a Republican kind of ticket about being fiscally conservative and, and using taxpayer money wisely. Do you think that message can work well with the Asian community and that'll be kind of a way for Republicans to kind of break into that group uh, for future voters? Oh, a- absolutely. Um, you know, being, being an entrepreneur and self-employed uh, person, um, I think one of the things uh, that, that we have learned in the past 20-some years uh, is to do what we can where we are with what we have. Uh, uh, I'm sure you can relate to that, you know, being a self-employed uh, individual. And and I think I can bring that principle and, and value to the city government. Right. Um, you know, raising taxes is definitely not my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, having to pay more taxes right. or having more uh, regulations. But, um, you know, for Republicans traditionally have struggled with attracting uh, minority voters. And I think part of that is our own misdeeds and, and mismanagement. And part of that is us not knowing, you know, that there are groups that would be extremely accessible for us if we stick to the message of, of what limited government truly means and showing people that this land is a great opportunity for them. And right. uh, for, for, you know, and, and the other problem is a lot of times people want to lump in Every minority group. The Democrats loved it. Every minority group's the same. It's all oh, they're just Asians. But I mean, Taiwanese and mainland China, I can imagine, are, are have some differences, and certainly Koreans and Japanese. So you've got several different groups. And you know, we're not even talking about Vietnamese and Cambodians. So, and then Indians are technically Asian too. So you've got this huge group umbrella of Asian. Well, they have so many smaller markets in and of, its, of itself. So what do you think some of the, the Republicans should be doing to kind of bring out some of these, these groups to help support them nationally? Yeah, I, I would just want to first touch on the um, different um, ethnic groups or, or different um, nationalities nationality yeah, yeah. that you have mentioned. Um, my belief and also the, the way I raised my children, uh, we, we are... American first. Okay. And that's that's the first and foremost. We are American first. And um, if they choose to, uh, my kids, if they choose to enrich their lives with their Chinese heritage, that's great. Right. But if not, that's okay, too. Um, so I think my approach will be um, asking and and asking our the people in, in the uh, community whether they are Asian, Caucasian, Hispanics or, or blacks um, to participate. I think uh, voters fatigue is, is a pretty common issue in, yep. in the state of Georgia. And <laughs> in Johns Creek, because my involvement in, in this campaign, that uh, um, we, we have seen some figures that is pretty troublesome. And uh, um, I think the last, uh, I- at the city level, um, special election, we have less than 15% of the participation. Sure and yeah. that, that is 
That's Terrible. basically going to people that vote all the time, anytime, regardless of uh, what what's going on or what's on the ballot. So, uh, Jay, we're going to take our uh, two thirty break here coming up. I've got a, a actually going to be an interesting person for you to listen to. Somebody that helped form the city of Brookhaven, J. Max Davis Jr. He was the oh, uh, the mayor there, and uh, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges that, that they faced and uh, kind of uniting people that weren't all in. That city was a little bit uh, more contested than. Uh, John's Creek, which I'm sure John's Creek right. probably passed with 80%. Do you remember what the vote was on that? Uh, I don't remember. That was back in 06. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it was uh, significantly in favor, just like Sandy Springs was a very popular idea. Uh, Sandy Springs had been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and it finally came to, was it 2003, David, when Sandy Springs came in? 2005. So we're about the 10-year anniversary. Right. I can tell you, most Sandy Springsians are quite happy with their city. And I think most people in Johns Creek are very happy. Brookhaven people are starting to be able to get their identity, too. So we're going to take a break here. Be back in a couple minutes with J. Max Davis, Jr. Thanks. Thank you. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism only on americaswebradio.com. Coming at you on a... You know, right, the midsummer's heat and uh, the heat of special elections going on. You, uh, you're no stranger to special elections, Jay, being up in Johns Creek and generally in the state of Georgia, all sorts of uh, special elections have been going on. Yours is going to be uh, November third, but uh, right now we have a um, a guest who's been embroiled in a uh, a very busy special election for the past couple months. Uh, J. Max Davis Jr., the former mayor of Brookhaven and current. Uh, Republican candidate for House District 80, and uh, 
We're excited to, to have him on the show today. There's a big special election coming up August 11th. And uh, J-Max, thanks for calling in. Welcome to Greg's List. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you taking the time out to call. I know you guys are busy uh, canvassing the neighborhoods. It's got to be uh, uh, really competitive out there. And uh, you uh, uh, made it to the runoff against a, uh, a Democrat opponent. And uh, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Actually, our station owner was, is, was friends with your dad, so I'm sure you've got a little bit of a, repu- a good reputation from that. But uh, tell us about J. Max Davis Jr. and uh, why you want to uh, take over the uh, run for a state house. In, in Brookhaven, Chamblee, and Sandy Springs? Well, I, I, my father, you know, he served in the State House for 22 years in this, mostly of this district, and he was a delegate for Ronald Reagan in 1976. I watched uh, him through the years in the legislature, was down there all the time, and got to know the inner workings of state government down at the Gold Dome, and it was always fascinating to me to see how things got done and how you could actually make improvements and changes for the better to improve the, the lives of your constituents. And uh, as mayor, that was part of the reason why I ran for mayor is because in DeKalb County and unincorporated DeKalb County, we were, we were suffering under a, a system where uh, service levels were decreasing rapidly and taxes were increasing rapidly. And so that was what the impetus was for forming Brookhaven Yes and, and then eventually running for mayor was to take bad government and get rid of it and start something fresh and new, kind of like the uh, American Revolution, but on a much smaller scale. Well, I was going to tell you one of the uh, one of the best advertisements for municipalization is DeKalb County government. So, <laughs> well, you, you saw it this weekend with the boil water advisory for three days, where businesses had to shut down. It was like we were living in a third world country over the weekend in DeKalb County. Yeah. Today, I called for a, for a comprehensive, independent audit of the DeKalb watershed DeKalb managed watershed management uh, department, and it's a it's a problem that we that we keep facing in, in several areas. You know, Brookhaven addressed police. Paving parks, sidewalks, stormwater, and, and zoning uh, permits and uh, code enforcement, and uh, that, that's something that we don't control with the water. But I, I, as mayor, I spent a lot of time dealing with phone calls from constituents who lived in Brookhaven and who were just citizens of DeKalb County and other parts, calling me, asking me what they could do about their outrageous water bill. And it started last fall, and it's still continuing. And this is just the latest uh, symptom of mismanagement. And, yeah, and uh, it, and it talks uh, about you know local control and having accessibility because you know a lot of folks when you announce running for office you know I ran for state senate last year and I remember people telling me to give them hell in D.C. and <laughs> I always right, said right. <laughs> so people don't necessarily know exactly what you do but they they certainly do look at as elected officials for uh, for leadership and direction and uh, you know one of the challenges you had Brookhaven was it was a little bit of a battle Brookhaven yes I believe the final vote. The- Big battle, yes. It was what fifty three to forty seven, approving the city at the end. Fifty five forty. It was fifty five forty five, but we got outspent four to one by county and other moneyed interests who had, who didn't want to upset the apple cart when it came to the Cab County government. And so, so basically, you come into it, you run for mayor, and it's not the you know it's not this eighty to twenty margin. So, what was the challenge of getting some of these people that were vehemently against the city? On board. I mean, I'm guessing you probably had to show pretty immediate um, activities as far as okay, we're going to solve some of the problems. But what were some of the other challenges that you had to to get the buy-in, if you will, from some of the people that were anti-city? Well, well, you're right, and there's a still pretty strong anti-city element here. It's gotten a lot smaller. There have been many people. I've talked to many citizens who tell me they were not in favor of the city or voted against it, but they're on board now, and you know, they're, they're reasonable people could disagree on the issue. But there's still a there's still a, a, a small but still sizable group of people who have been scrutinized.
scrutinizing every single thing we've done over scrutinizing just to try to wait for us to trip up or fall on it. I said from the beginning that we're going to have missteps, but in the end, we want to deliver on the promise of local control, lower taxes, better services, and we've done exactly that. That's how you win people over. You build community. We have we have community events like food trucks, and we have music festivals and cherry blossom festivals, and you get people from all parts of the city coming together, being appreciative that they're that their municipality is making an a, a venue for them to meet people that they necessarily would not have met and to get together and, and have utilize the beautiful parks that we have, the 250 acres of parks that we have that have been improved. So it took a little while to get things going. We were unsure about finances. We were unsure about if we could get the police department up and running quickly and, and having having them up and serving quickly. We did all that. We did. We reduced taxes three years in a row. We built more sidewalks and paved more roads than the county did in the prior decade plus. We, we did all that by cutting, and we cut taxes three years in a row and built a nearly $5 million reserve. Contrast that to two years ago where you have a county that's in deficit that is having scandal after scandal after scandal and indictment after indictment after indictment, and you see the marked difference. You see it in the parks. You see it when you see a police car patrolling the street, whereas before you'd never see one. You see a new sidewalk or a paved road, and you just it, it's a night and day. I hear that term a lot. It's night and day from what we had just two and a half years ago. Well, I'm I, very proud of that. You talked about the sense of community, and uh, here's just a question. I thought, where is downtown Brookhaven? I say it's near uh, the MARTA and the, the Dresden area, but uh, you're, you're, you're the former mayor. Where is where is downtown Brookhaven? Well, Brookhaven, I grew, up, I grew up in this area. I grew up off West Nancy Creek, which is behind uh, Marist High School, and Brookhaven for me was always down Peachtree Road, on either side of Peachtree Road, the right side and the left side. So where the MARTA station is is kind of the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dresden and, and North Root Hills Road and those areas, you know, just north of Beaver Highway. And then Capital City area and the area right around Oglethorpe University has always been considered Brookhaven. And uh, it's Brookhaven, the center of Brookhaven, I think, is Peachtree Road. It cuts right down the middle of our uh, city. City Hall is no more, if you, if you go in the city of Brookhaven to the City Hall, you're no more than three miles from City Hall from any direction in the city, from the top to the bottom. Gotcha. So we're, we sit right in the middle. Now, you've also got Shambly and uh, I think 25% of the district is uh, Sandy Springs slash Fulton County. So uh, are those divergent differences from Brookhaven, or are they all kind of a very contiguous thing, or do you have to kind of have challenges from each area that you well, want I mean, to take a, to the there's a bit of a difference because about 15% of the district is um, Sandy Springs, about 5 is Shambly, about 80% is Brookhaven. And um, the area of Shambly that um, is, was, is, uh, was newly annexed by the city of Shambly just a couple of years ago, and that area is it's sort of a Brookhaven neighborhood. People go to the same school from over there. It's the northeast uh, corner of Brookhaven, but it's the northwest corner of Shambly, and okay. it's newly annexed to Shambly. And then on the Sandy Springs side, the Windsor Parkway, Peachtree Dunwoody area, that's all. That's all. Uh, Sandy Springs, and that part of Sandy Springs, and uh, it's it's that's more of a continuation of Brookhaven as well because it's Windsor Parkway, and that runs through Brookhaven and Sandy Springs. And people have the same issues. They have government issues with their county governments. The Fulton County government's got some issues, just like DeKalb. Uh, but that's one of the important things about this election is that if the Democrats take this seat, the Republicans will lose control of the Fulton County delegation. So all the reforms you've seen go through with Fulton County in the last couple of years, the last couple of sessions with taxes and whatnot, could be unwound. Same thing with uh, with the DeKalb side. The DeKalb delegation is going to try to uh, stop or stymie any efforts to cap property taxes, any efforts to eliminate the CEO position, uh, any efforts to have a city school system. Those so the, the issues are very similar for all parts of the of the district. 
in that there's a clear distinction between my candidacy as a Republican and the candidacy of the Democrat, because the, the Democrats are part of the DeKalb Democratic machine, and they're going to they're they're fight tooth and nail against any positive yeah. reform well, that would upset the DeKalb status quo. I mean, I'm unfortunately, I live in the uh, the blue part uh, of the county, just uh, in the prospective city of La Vista Hills, but I, I would right. be in the, the right. blue part of it. And I will say the folks trying to get our city off the ground are use Brookhaven as kind of that sense of community. Y'all are crazy about soccer. That soccer fest uh, two years ago was amazing mm-hmm. for the, the Men's World Cup. Tell us a little bit about I read something that you were d- developing, me being in the mortgage business, that kind of piqued my interest in anybody that owns a home does. You are looking at some of these new assessments coming out where we've had a, 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 an improvement in property values, and a lot of these counties and cities are taking advantage of it by just uh, reassessing the values and not changing the millage rate, so it's a, an effective tax increase on everybody. You had an interesting plan about capping it at 3% or something. Tell me about I I read a, enough to, to, to be dangerous but you uh, it's a a part of your platform so tell us a little bit about that i thought that was really interesting well before you get to that i just want to let you know the city of brookhaven has the lowest millage rate in DeKalb county for any city we just lowered again again this year three years in a row we lowered the millage rate so we started off with 4.35 mils we could have charged our cap is 3.35 now we're at 2.74 so um we we have lowered our millage rate but you're right at the same time the county can say either we're keeping your rate the same, or we might lower it a little bit. But the, on the back end, they do what's called a, and it's the first time I heard this term was from my father back in the 90s, a backdoor tax increase. Mm-hmm. They don't have to raise the millage rate. Some people have gotten, literally, this year I've heard from people whose tax bill went up $7,000 from the prior year. <laughs> We've had 100% increases. We've had 120% increases, 50% increases, 40% increases on people's assessments. So what I want to do is take that uncertainty out of the equation, that, that wild fluctuation of assessments, and let people have um, certainty when they go to their mailbox. It doesn't matter what my assessment is going to be. My tax is going to be capped at 3% or the consumer price index, whichever is less. So you don't have to worry about this big boost because you're, you know it can only go at 3%. When you sell your home, the assessment kicks in for the new homeowner, and then they'll get the cap as well. But that way, people on fixed incomes or anybody, you know, retired folks or people with kids and families and school, you don't have to worry about a 50% increase in your actual tax bill. It'll be capped at 3%, no matter what your assessment Yeah, and basically the folks, the, the, the municipalities are going to just have to deal with the, the money coming in. They, they, it, it's not good for them to budget on windfall years because it You're really right. it doesn't prepare them at all if things right. go south. So Correct. Right, and that's the thing in Brookhaven. We found ourselves with a little bit too much money. And my, and my promise from the beginning is if there's extra money laying around the government, you need to give it back to the taxpayers. And that's exactly what we did. We built our reserve, we provided a high level of service, and we still had money left over. And that shows you what DeKalb County was doing with the tax dollars that were used to you know, come from the city of Brookhaven. It was being wasted. And so we don't, we've never had a revenue problem in the city of Brookhaven. And that's why we've cut, tax, or cut our millage rate every year. Because it's, it's important that people know that the government shouldn't always be looking for new sources of revenue. That's not what the focus should be. It should be focused on providing the best in customer service and the best in finance and accountability. And always looking for more money is a sickness that I see not just in city and county governments a lot of times, but I see it in the state government too. We should be looking to ourselves and our staffing. How do we do 
contracting and vending and, and what kind of efficiencies can we find before we start saying, oh, we've got to have more revenue, we've got to have more revenue. Yep, it's like this insatiable power. J-Max, we're going to take our final break here. If you can hold on for just a couple minutes, I wanted to sure. circle back with you for about five minutes afterwards just sure. to talk about the outlook for uh, the rest of the campaign and sure. uh, what you're looking to accomplish under the Gold Dome. We'll be back in a couple minutes with J-Max okay. Davis Jr. and uh, you're listening to Greg's List. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism on AmericasWebRadio.com. Wrapping up a great show. We're on with J. Max Davis, Jr., former mayor of Brookhaven and current uh, House rep candidate in House District 80, which is Sandy Springs, all of Brookhaven and uh, Shambly area, which uh, most of it, 80% of the district is in Brookhaven. And uh, J. Max, I guess uh, it's a fast and furious sprint to the end here. How fun is it uh, campaigning in 95 degree at Georgia Heat? Well, you know, it's, it, when you're doing it, you don't really notice until somebody points out that you're sweat. You're, you're just soaked in sweat. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's I, as, as my, my buddy here, uh, Tayton, told me yesterday, you're covered in sweat. And I said, I don't care. I'm going to the next door. People don't mind. I mean, you do get sometimes kind of a concerned look at the door sometimes. Cause I'm a bigger guy, and they think, wow, this guy's about to explode. And, you know, I come to the door, and they just, you want some water? I like, no, I'm fine. I just want to talk to you about this important race coming up on August 11th. And, you know, the, the key for me is getting Republican voters and independents out to vote from from Shambly, Brookhaven, and Sandy Springs. It's, it, school will be back in session, so I think there will be a, a bigger turnout. Uh, but if people sit at home, you know, this could be a disaster for the Republican Party and for, for you know, the House District 80 if, if this my opponent, who's a nice fellow, but he's a very far left-wing Democrat and beholden to labor unions and, and and income inequality are some of the things he's he's talking about, and I just think that uh, 
people need to realize the importance of this race. But we have a lot of folks, grassroots volunteers, going door to door with me, making phone calls as well. We got uh, stuff going out in the mail, um, Facebook posts. We got uh, a, a meet and greet this Saturday at 10 o'clock at Joe's Grill, which is on uh, Ashford Dunwoody Johnson's Ferry area, right there in, next to Blackburn Park in Brookhaven. And uh, Nancy Jester County Commissioner Nancy Jester is going to be there. Congressman Tom Price will be there. Uh, state Representative Tom Taylor and a couple more state representatives will be there uh, to talk about um, seeing. What, we'll just need to come and see what they're going to talk about. But it's going to be this Saturday, 10 a.m., August 1st, Joe's Grill on Ashford Dunwoody Road, I, uh, right there next to Blackburn. Park. I have a I have a feeling Greg's list uh, live will be there as well. Also wanted to uh, say I, I think it's a a, a great uh, campaign idea for you to point out the uh, <laughs> perpetual sign with the J Max interchange over at Perimeter Mall. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's. That's my father. People ask me why I have a highway or a street named after me. I say it's not me. That's my father. They honored him with the when he passed away. They honored him with the with honoring with the Chamber Delaney 285 interchange there uh, near Primer Mall, uh, naming it after my dad. But uh, yes, we're we're the campaign is fast and furious, and we're working hard, and uh, it's it's going well. And I've got a great group of volunteers and staff. And well, tell uh, Tate, tell Tate and hi for me, and uh, we'll we'll be seeing y'all out on the uh, the trail coming up. Thanks again for calling in, Jay Max. Hope you didn't scare Jay Lynn off from running for city council over here. But uh, <laughs> no, I, but uh, well, you can find out more about Jay Max on uh, on his website, Facebook page, Twitter. Very social media savvy campaign yeah. that's running. We look forward to seeing you out. Thank you again, Jay Max, and uh, see you soon. Yeah. JMaxforhouse.com. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Bye bye. All right, so uh, you got to hear a little bit uh, about the inner workings of a city there mm-hmm. from somebody that helped uh, form one, uh, Jay. So what do you, uh, what what do you think about that? Does it still make you want to <laughs> jump into the fire, so to speak? Well, um, right now, my entire focus in the next ninety days is to run this campaign well and to serve the, the citizens in, in Johns Creek. Yep, so you're not so, scared You're not scared away. That, nope. that, that, that <laughs> sometimes here, it's almost like seeing a surgery. You don't want to see the during of it. Like, <laughs> and, and so you're able to go in for the post-op. Like John's, right. But I will say Johns Creek was not nearly as messy just because North Fulton folks are not as uh, divided as DeKalb folks like, like me. I mean, DeKalb is really 75% Democrat for the most right. part, and they are really power-hungry mongrels. I mean, mm-hmm. they are. They just want control over everything. My property taxes went up $700 this year. I've had an $800 water bill, and, and fortunately I know enough to, to call the, the water company and explain myself. But I can imagine people that are not familiar with how the government works, how daunting of a task that could be. And, uh, you know, the, the push to munip- municipalization is just gaining uh, steam here because again like I said uh, uh, Sandy Springs 2005 here Milton a little bit more recent Johns Creek Johns Creek and Milton came online about the same almost time almost about the same time they? okay right. so in fact they were probably on the same ballot basically the way to start cities here is you have to get uh, some legislators to push it I mean it's a long process to actually get that done and you're able to say alright Johns Creek is, is running well I'm doing great getting that right. I haven't called it St. John's in like six <laughs> references, so I am so proud of myself learning, and that's the uh, the key here. But uh, so you know, that's some of the issues is dealing with with smart growth because right. you don't want to be so anti-traffic that you scare away development, right? That's H- right. How do you balance that? 
Well, um, if you look at the metro, all the satellite cities in metro Atlanta, uh, the growth is going to be taking place, whether we like it or not. But I'll take planned growth any day. Okay. So um, growth with a plan is is much better than the plan, uh, the, the growth without plans. So um, I think we, we just have to approach the, the, our growth with, with caution and um, do it wisely. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, obviously Johns Creek, a lot of homeowners, so a lot of property taxes they're paying. I think being a wise steward of their money is also the most important thing. So being accountable, uh, running a, a, a transparent campaign. Um, I know you've got some events coming up as well, and um, I, from what I've heard, you're doing pretty good on the fundraising side of things as well. So you're you're running this campaign like a business, it seems like. Uh, that's correct, and, and of course, any well-run business can't do it without the good people. So uh, we do have a great group of uh, um, passionate volunteers um, who are uh, just work uh, tirelessly uh, by the campaigns, and uh, you know. Um, so coming up uh, um, August the second, we have a, a fundraising event. Um, it's going to be in the clubhouse of Sugar Mill Subdivision. Um, uh, right there uh, off Highway 120 um, in, in Bell Road, Bowes Road area. Um, and we anticipated uh, about 150 uh, people will be attending. Wow. Yeah. Big old group there. So, and the good thing for your campaign is your door-to-door will be a little bit during the fall, so not quite as uh, brutal heat. Although, I mean, you almost have to look and see, all right, how many households are really going to vote in this? And you can kind of micro-target it. So it's not a... It's not having to run for uh, you know a congressional campaign where there's only 14 districts in the state. It is something that is accessible for you. So are you are you preparing your people skills? You drink coffee every morning to get fired up to to be smiling and and uh, yes. happy. We are definitely prepared <laughs> to hit the road right after right after this uh, uh, fundraising event. Um, the f- first week of August we'll be on the road. And okay. Well, that's exciting stuff and. Um, you know, looking around, folks, it's uh, you know, presidential election season's coming up, too. August 6th is the first Republican debate, and it looks like I'm going to have Carly Fiorina's team coming in here after the Red State gathering. So her two um, uh, heads of uh, the state of Georgia will be coming in here. Carly Fiorina's been a, a, a very articulate uh, campaigner. She's been doing pretty good stuff on, on the trail. She's been very good at pointing out Hillary's multiple deficiencies, although I don't know how talented you have to be to point out national deficiencies but or her deficiencies. But, uh, you know, we're looking at things from the local level to the state level and then to the national level. And I, I think people need to take a really hard look at what Republicans are doing at the local level. Because we really, when you get past the theatrics and the the filibusters and the kabuki theater and the backroom deals, and you boil it down, most Republicans and Democrats at the local level want things to improve. And I think we have clearly shown that the Republican principles are the right route to go. The the use of of wise taxpayer money. Now, sir, you get the anarcho-capitalists that don't want to have any taxes. They don't want to have any laws. And and, and I say, well, we have an example of anarcho-capitalism. It's called Mogadishu. 
So go to Somalia, uh, where where you have no private property ownership rights, where somebody can come in, in into your your realm and take anything they want and you have no recourse except to kill them and tell me how that works out tell me how stable of a society that that produces or you you take the opposite of that a, a command economy like mainland china has mainland china basically has what i call state capitalism there's a a, a myth that somehow their money is trickling down. Sure, they're they're building a little bit of a middle class, but China has major problems. They have too many people, and they are not letting the wealth that uh, the, the their occupants or, or their citizens are accruing by working for slave like labor wa- or working for slave like wages. They're not really be trickling down. People complain that uh, the United States model of trickle-down economics didn't work, but it certainly did. What do rich people do with their money? They don't just hide it under a mattress. They invest in other companies. They employ people. They buy expensive things. Can you imagine if you went to the Capitol Grill every night and, and, and spent two or $300 a night that your waiter would probably be pretty happy with you? That's right. I would say so. And if you buy a yacht, guess how many people make money when you buy a yacht? Oh, it's evil for those evil one percenters to have fancy things. Well, just imagine. Just the salesperson alone gets a hefty commission from the yacht. The materials to produce the yacht, the finishing, the the, the wood, the the engines, the the calibration, everything involved with building a high-tech piece of equipment creates real jobs. Not everybody's going to be the shepherd, but not everybody has to be a bunch of sheep either. So we're going to take our uh, final break. Well, no, you know, we're, we're almost done. Boy, this circle, this really sailed by, didn't it? wanted to thank Jay Lynn for uh, stopping by our studio today. He's got a great campaign running up in Johns Creek and just uh, a dynamic individual and I think has is, is really got a great future as a leader here. And also J. Max Davis Jr., one of which him well in his campaign for House District 80. That vote is August 11th. It's the only special election in the state of Georgia that pits a Republican versus a liberal Democrat, so I encourage all of my listeners to tune into that race. We need to win it, folks. We need to get momentum for the Republican Party going into 2016. And as always, you can find me at gregslistlive.blog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.